On this episode of Scale Talk. Latest project that I just did for Dior, uh, I was doing visual merchandising for the holiday windows at Saks Fifth Avenue, so. How did that come about? Was it a direct contact? Was it through, through a company, through an agency? Yeah, it was through LinkedIn, which I didn't even really? know people were on LinkedIn. But yeah, um, someone from Dior reached out uh, on LinkedIn and, and uh, said, you know, hey, you know, I have a miniature project coming up. Uh, can I shoot you over an NDA to sign so I can tell you about it? And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like Yeah, legit. it's always good so, when it starts with an NDA. Yeah. Scale Talk Podcast with David Miniatures. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast, episode five, new podcast of the new year. I'm David Miniatures. Today I am joined by the super, super talented Rachel Ferris. Uh, I will let her intro herself. People are better at that than me. Um, and uh, then we'll just take it from there. Hey, Rachel. Well, well hi. Hi, I'm <laughs> Rachel. Um, I'm a miniaturist. Um, I also do props as well. Um, but primarily miniatures and that's my, my love for sure. Um, I live in Los Angeles, so I typically work in film and television, but, um, this latest project that I just did for Dior, uh, I was doing visual merchandising for the holiday windows at Saks Fifth Avenue. So I'm not really sure where my career is headed at this point, but, uh, I do private commissions. Um, and, uh, yeah, I love what I do. It's a pretty fun job. Nice. Yeah, that DR gig was uh was pretty cool. My girlfriend was pretty jealous. Yeah, I'm I feel like there's few people that are. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is the girl that's gonna be on my next episode. I'm like, yeah. you know, she did she usually doesn't really care that much about like uh, this world. And I was like, Yeah, she just did this thing for Dior and she's like, Excuse me? She's like, Why aren't why aren't you getting these gigs? And I was like, oh. <laughs> Uh, but um yeah that's awesome so um i mean since you brought that up how did how did that come about was it a direct contact was it through I, through a company through an agency yeah it was through linkedin which i didn't even really? know people were on linkedin but yeah um someone from dior reached out uh on linkedin and and uh said you know, hey, you know, I have a miniature project coming up. Uh, can I shoot you over an NDA to sign so I can tell you about it? And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like Yeah, legit. it's always good so, when it starts with an NDA. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, I I mean, up until I delivered the prototype and got paid for it, I, I was thinking it was a scam the whole time because I was like, this is too good to be true. Mm -hmm. but, um, but, yeah, I mean, it was the most epic job I've ever done for sure. That's um, awesome. And were you, were you alone on that? Um, so for the prototype, yes, but I had to hire because it was such a, you know, a ridiculous ask for just a miniaturist. Um, I also, because I work in film and television, I knew who to hire to make it happen. And so, mm -hmm. uh, I hired a studio and a 3d print company and, uh, we, we did it all together, but, uh, but yeah, I was, it was my first time being a boss and like in charge of a team and it was kind of crazy. Um, really fun. I, I really enjoyed being on that side of the table, but, um, yeah, normally I'm just a fabricator on set. Uh, this was the first time art directing and, um, it was a pretty great 
job to have a first time arts fiction job on. For so, sure. I'm very thankful. Nice. Nice. Uh, how long was that display up in the in the window? Um the unveiling was November 20th and it stayed up until January 5th. So, it just came oh, down. Nice. Um and yeah, we only had a month to do it, uh which is kind of crazy. Um when they first approached me in May of last year, um they were like, look, we know this is, you know, a big ask in a very short timeline. This is normally like a year's worth of work. Um, and I had originally bid out all 24 windows because uh, this is so Dior did a takeover of Saks Fifth Avenue in New York City. Yep. And this is the first time Dior has done a takeover. It was a big deal for them. And um, they didn't even quite know what they were doing. It was it was a lot. And um so by the time the ball got rolling and everything, they kind of had to disperse the work because it was just, it was a lot for, you know, one team. Um, right. Very challenging to work with so many teams uh, by the end of it. But uh, eventually they awarded me three windows and then um, I ended up doing like a total of 10 windows because... Like, I got three specifically that were mine. Um, I got to make a miniature of the Met, a miniature of Central Park, and then this one window that uh, was like a big giant three-foot sneaker um, in front of me. Yeah, like, I saw that one. Miniature, yeah, New York skyline was really cute. Um, but they were these big giant six-foot snow globes. And um, fun fact, this was the first time in Saks history that they actually had to remove the window panes just to get um my miniatures in for the globes uh, wow. because they were so big and didn't fit through the the access panels in the back but um but yeah and then the the other windows that I got uh they had basically asked me to do trees for all the windows so uh there's nine or ten windows that had trees and then I ended up doing um in including Rockefeller tree which was pretty epic nice. um and then uh they wanted to include my prototype, which was um, my little hot dog cart, which I want to say is Mylan. I can't remember. I know that there's several people that were approached uh, in the beginning to do these prototypes. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so they ended up using a different, they wanted, you know, mine's all Dior themed, like, like Christian Dior logos. I had fringe. I had like cool. stars on the, on the wheels. So they just asked for like simple. So I, um, the one that ended up in the window of, it was like a mini Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, and there was like the little hot dog cart with like a, a red and yellow umbrella. And when you say prototype, was this sort of like a, like a test to get yeah. hired or? Yeah. Cause I was the only miniaturist they hired. Every other company that was involved with this is, you know, huge multi-million, multi-billion dollar company. Like they're massive in what they do. They, this is what they do is the holiday windows. And so the woman that hired me, uh, she knew she was taking a risk with me because I, every other miniature she uh, contacted, she was like, yeah, they, they all said that they work, you know, out of their house. And I'm like, I mean, so do I, but I also have connections to these, these big teams that, you know, mm -hmm. we were able to, you know, do it together. Um, and so she trusted that I could do it. I guess I just sold myself <laughs> uh, really well, yeah. which is great because 
I mean, it's it's another yeah. level of the game. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. when you start doing uh, film and television, um, yeah. it's it's sort of. I mean, I've always seen it as like the holy grail of miniature making. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, well, it's sort of like where else do you go from there? You know, yeah. Um, you know, short of going back in time and working on Star Wars or something like what do you you know what I'm saying like it's yeah for me as a kid like that's what got me into it you know there was this TV mm-hmm. show called movie magic mm. uh, back in the day and they showed how they made Ghostbusters and all these movies using miniatures yeah and you know as a kid it's like your interest in miniatures is 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 obvious because it's like really detailed toys you know like I just <laughs> yeah. love that the illusion the illusion of it was really what attracted me. And then by the time I went to high school and all that, and I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, miniatures wasn't really that big of a thing anymore. In film. Um, not enough to, you know, to make a career like the guys that were already doing it. They were, they were good. Right. Cause for yeah. the, the little jobs that were left, like they were already like the masters by that point. Uh, but to get into it was a very risky move. Okay. Um, but I'm always happy to see when it comes back and, you know, films like, you know, Oppenheimer that did a ton of miniature work. And I'm mm-hmm. always like, every time I see that, I'm just like, yes, like, yeah. it's like a win for my team, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, it's totally a dying industry and um, which is sad. I will say that as much as it, like the masters that you're just referring to like i ended up Mm -hmm. like my first employer in this industry you know he did the first star wars uh that was actually was it fun uh working with him or him davis oh fun yes yeah 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 that was actually who i did uh i had just started in the industry and i had um i had gotten to work on mandalorian um and I built one of the creatures uh, that was in season two, the big spider, the Kraken spider. It was the first time it was ever seen on um, on camera because it had just been in the comics uh, before then. And so that was really cool uh, to be a part of the Star Wars universe. I, I still could, can't really believe it. But um, <laughs> I was actually uh, just in this December's uh, Star Wars Insider magazine. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a picture of me in there. Um, nice working on that which is pretty cool that you know that still came up but uh but yeah fun you know we were talking about the fact that you know it's dying industry and it's it's nice to see that there's still an interest in it and of course there's still so much or so many miniatures that are in films uh which i had no idea like that you know miniatures were still used as much uh as they are i think it's more than more than people realize yeah. you know i well, think especially like the Oppenheimer thing that you uh, mentioned, like a lot of explosions, it's so much easier to do it on a smaller scale and to get like the look that you're going for. Yeah. And, and Chris Nolan, like he uses them a ton. Like he used them in all the dark Knight movies. Yeah. Um, and he, he uses them quite a bit. He's, he's a fan <laughs> of in camera and, um, yeah, like I, I think it's way more than people realize. Obviously, not as much as you know back in the eighties, but yeah, it's way more than people realize. It's it's still it's still around for sure. Yeah, we're just able to you know see it a little better. Um, 
versus yeah in the 80s you could definitely tell yeah oh, that's, that's a manager <laughs> whereas yeah. now it's harder to tell but they but they do find that like um you know it's actually cheaper to do it practically than to do cgi um and so people are starting to turn to managers again uh, for that yeah. reason um but I and feel it's funny because like... back in the day, it was the opposite. One of the yeah. main reasons they were switching was because it was you cheaper. know a miniature would cost thirty thousand dollars, right? And CGI would was like half that. But uh -huh. now, like CGI has gotten so expensive, and these CGI yeah. houses are, you know, they're billion dollar companies on their own, and they charge a ridiculous amount of, you know, and it, it's also a time thing, you know, like. These days, I find it's almost faster to do a miniature and blow it up than to to have like a team of ten people do it in CG and and all that stuff. So again, I don't I don't know anything about CG, so I'm totally talking out of my ass. But um, I watch a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and I'm just basing it off that. But um, so besides the whole sort of movie and TV, is that is that all you do, or do you do private commissions, collectors, things like that? I. I do private commissions. Um, it's funny because, like, I don't do as much as I... Well, I certainly don't do as much as you. Like, I was looking at your profile just to, like, remember what you've done. And I'm just like, I feel like you just whipped stuff out. Um, but... And it's all stuff, of course, that's on my list. You know, like, like The Office, which is right in front of you right now. Like, I wanted yeah. to make that for a friend of mine. I'm like... Damn it! I mean, I'll still do it, but um, yeah, but yeah I'll shoot not... you some files. I'll save you some time. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, I don't. I don't know. I get I get too. I'm I'm very much a perfectionist, and so like, uh, I don't whip out as much work as I'd like to. But um, like right now, now that I have a little bit of time to like, uh, chill for like a month or two and just work on personal projects. Mm -hmm. Like it's been really hard to like get in the shop and like create. Um, luckily, I have a couple jobs right now that's helping me like get back in the shop and actually work on stuff. But um, um, I forget what the question was. Um, oh, that I do commissions. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not often. I've only been doing, I've only been doing managers for like five years. Um, okay. And, you know, two and a half of those were in a pandemic. So, yeah, I wasn't doing well. A whole lot. I mean, we can talk about this, you know, offline, but uh, I may hit you up for some <laughs> some work in the future just because okay. I'm getting to that point where I was just talking to um, Francois uh, from Scale Ton. Uh, he was okay. actually the first person I had on my podcast. Nice. And we were talking last night about, um, how like my my clients are super super patient um mm -hmm. i have like a almost two-year waiting list Dang, um, that's amazing. and yeah and i'm always amazed when people hit me up and they're like i want this and i'm like okay well this is the price but you know i should let you know like i have a two-year waiting list or I have a one-year waiting list and they're like cool no problem like here's the deposit and i'm wow. just like man i would never wait like i would i am not patient enough no um <clears throat> But they're also used to it, you know, like any, like even the yeah. mass produced stuff where, you know, you order like a Hot Toys figure, like people pre-order that a year in advance. Yeah. Um. So I think collectors are kind of used to waiting. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was talking to him last night about sort of like my own anxieties of, you know, I look at my to-do list and I'm just like, good Lord, you know? And and the thing is like, it never gets shorter because I'm constantly adding products. So it's like, yeah. It's like one gets off the list and three get mm-hmm. added. Like that's uh-huh. you know, and and I was talking to him last night about, you know, he's like, would you ever possibly like outsource any work or anything like that? And I'm just like, I don't know, you know, like like you just <laughs> said, like I'm I'm such a perfectionist and I'm such a stickler that I would really have to trust the person. Exactly. And you know, like I I also understand that like people are paying to have my work, right? Okay. Um, so it's sort of like, I'd probably commission out like part of the builds or, you know, for example, like if I'm doing something that has a lot of trees, I might like message you and be like, Hey, can you make me 30 trees? And like, let me know how much it is or whatever, like that type of thing right now for somebody. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm just getting to that point just because it's, it's becoming ridiculous. Yeah, and again, like I, I don't want to complain and and just sound like you know first world problems. Like, oh, I have too much work. Um, I know there's artists that would would kill to have right a yeah, two year waiting list. <laughs> um, so I don't want to I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, poor me, you know. Yeah. Um, but it is stressful. Um, and um, it's definitely something that I'm I'm thinking of. It's just you know finding people talented enough that I that mm-hmm. I trust. Yeah. Um, and also that are willing to do it, you know, because <laughs> the problem is a lot of people I know that I would trust to do this are also busy in their own <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I never know, like, if it's insulting to someone to be like, hey, I'm super busy. Can you make me like a bunch of trees? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I would feel if someone would ask yeah. me that. So um, there's also that personal aspect that I want to insult anybody. Yeah, um, I am too, just for future reference. Yeah, <laughs> and I love <left laughs> for it. sure. I was gonna say, why did you? Why did you think I make trees? I'm like, <laughs> do I do I put that on my profile a lot? Uh, the last four jobs I've gotten were from Instagram, and they are literally landscaping jobs. But I'm like, am I just am I the tree person now? I don't know. I'm do you, fine with you, it. I I love it. Is it like do you do you enjoy like the miniature landscaping? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that information, but yeah, I, I despise love it. it, and it's not. Um, it's not cause I'm not good at it or anything like that. I just, I'm, I, I'm a fairly clean builder. Is that? Um, even if I'm doing rustic, you know, abandoned stuff, um, I just like anything that makes my shop super messy. Just, <laughs> I get so frustrated. Uh-huh. Um, I, I just made, I mean, you can probably see them there for the, the office. Um, the, I had to the, do all the, shrub. the, the shrubs Yeah, and I was just like for for a couple of days I was like how am I going to do this? Um <laughs> and it and you would like you look at them and you're like it's so simple, right? Like they're just mini hedges, but I was like I also want it to be solid. I also don't mm-hmm. want them to like fall apart and, yeah. and whatever. And every like I even went on YouTube and looked at like some tutorials and stuff of other people doing hedges. And all of them were um like soft based you know like one like the best one i found was a guy was like he took up like a sponge that you would like wash your dishes with Uh uh-huh and it was a green sponge no it was a green sponge and then he just glued like the turf over it and i'm like that's a great idea but i want them to be more robust like more solid Uh um in the end what i did is i just laser cut 
like mini boxes mm-hmm. um, that were the size of the shrubs. And I painted the boxes like a dark green. And mm-hmm. then I glued all my shrubbery on top of that Smart. and totally covered them with like scenic uh, yeah. glue, like the super liquidy glue. So like they're, they still kind of crumble a little bit. Like if you touch them, which is normal, like eventually that'll, that'll stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sometimes it just seems so simple, but the, yeah, all that to say my shop was a disaster. Like it was three days of like gluing shrubs and <laughs> airbrushing them and whatever. And, I keep finding these little green tufts like in my socks and uh, like all over the place. Um, And uh, yeah, every time I have a build that has like a lot of greenery, I'm always like, like (laughs) not looking forward to it, but it's uh, it's always worth it in the end. I I know that feeling. I'm actually, I'm making 20 palm trees right now. And the way I make palm trees is I use feathers. Um, Oh, cool. But I like it because the, you know, the leaves are still like leaves mm-hmm. or pom Very cool. But so my technique was like a combination of things. Like I had looked up tutorials on like how the heck do you make, you know, a palm tree. And, um, but I wanted it to look real. And so, or as real as possible. Um, so I combined a couple techniques. And um, when I was going to college, uh, I took a millinery class for fun just to fill my schedule um which is hat making and mm-hmm. one of the things i learned in that class was that you can curl feathers like you can curl hair and really mm-hmm. and like with, uh, a, like with a hot iron i literally use a curling iron that's awesome and a, and a flat iron depending on the leaf but um because you can like kink the like the and did you buy them already green or you painted them it depends i i haven't bought them green before. The ones I'm using right now are green. Don't know how they're going to turn out yet because I haven't painted them. Um, but I'm I'm a little worried because they're really dark green. Like this one is, I think I use. Like, you probably a light have to airbrush one. them though, right? So it doesn't clump up. Yes and no. It depends on the spray paint you buy. I really like. Uh, is it Molotov? Molotov. Uh, oh yeah, I use that. Orange cans. I freaking love that stuff but it's really light pressure so it doesn't mm-hmm. come out all and it's acrylic even. yeah and it doesn't come yeah. out super thick and cakey um and it dries really nicely and i just do you know a few light passes on it but um there's a couple other brands i want to say even the uh Montana the, tamia, the tamia spray paint goes on super light as well and yeah the little ones yeah Um, almost like airbrush quality like this video is sponsored by wall control i've actually been a customer of wall control for over 10 years they've sent me more panels to finish off my shop but the first six panels i actually purchased the first four panels 10 years ago and they were nice enough to sponsor me for the expansion of my shop and sent me seven more panels these panels are amazing for organization they are made of steel they are super easy to install They are powder coated, so the color will last forever. And they are just amazing for organization. I highly recommend them, whether you're a woodworker, a miniature artist, uh, they're super versatile. Their system of hooks and accessories is out of this world. You can also use standard pegboard accessories. And as you can see on my shop, uh, I've made some of my own. Uh, I've repurposed uh, nail racks to hold my paint, which worked with the, the pegboards perfectly. You can check them out at wallcontrol.com. 
and use my code DAVIDMINI to save 10% or more, or just click the link below in the description. If you're in Canada, just check them out on Amazon.ca. So you're you're the first um, you're the first person I've yeah. had on the podcast um, that has also done stuff for film and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't spoken that much about it, um, but one thing uh, I'd want to discuss uh, with I mean I'm sure you'll agree, but um, something that maybe the, the users would want to know is um, how different it is if you're making something for film and TV versus let's say a commission that's going to be in a museum or in someone's house. One of the first things I learned when I was working in a studio, you know, and as somebody who is a perfectionist, it was like, I wasn't yelled at, but it was very much like, nobody's going to see this. It's going to be on camera for half a second. Just, it's fine. Like, just do your best, like get the general shapes and colors down and you're good. Um, Yeah. And so speed is is definitely priority. a priority for sure, yeah. And so that was great because, <laughs> like I said, as a perfectionist, I will take as long as I possibly can to make, you know, whatever it is because, you know, I just want to put as much detail as I can in it. Um, but with film and television, you have really hard deadlines and they're usually very short deadlines. And so it's just like, you know done is better than perfect and that's been actually very helpful (laughs) because uh, you know it's it's sped up my my process in you know doing Mm -hmm. work for myself and and also when you're doing stuff for the screen it's it's what it's it's all about how it looks on the screen and how it looks on video versus how it looks Mm -hmm. in person usually weathering has to be a little bit more exaggerated uh, a little bit more contrast and you know, uh-huh. weathering and and sort of between let's say two shades of gray right you want more of a difference than you would let's say in reality yeah um, that's one thing I've noticed um, sometimes when I have brands that reach out um, like I did a bunch of stuff for Netflix and they were going to have it filmed in LA uh, by like a second unit in- and so it was the hardest part was like working sort of remotely with them on it. Um, I was like, especially when I was doing stuff for like the upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue I was having was because I was dealing more with like the marketing people mm-hmm. versus like the the film production people. Yeah. So they kept telling me that like my colors were off and like, you know, like the the upside down is sort of like this greenish blue. It's not actually black. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain to them, I'm like, yeah, but that's that's like, you know, they they put they colored it after they shot it, right? To, yeah, to look like that, and it's it's probably black in person, you know. And then, um, so that was like a little bit challenging, um, but they in the end they were more concerned with like they're like, yeah, but when we see it in person, we want it to look mm-hmm. how it looks on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to basically like give everything this greenish blue like hue you know i just basically went over everything super lightly with like the airbrush yeah um and in the end like we matched the color but it was like there was so much back and forth on this like specific color for Uh, the upside down it was luckily everything was one color because i don't know how i would have like isolated (laughs) like certain things it would have been crazy but you know um yeah it's 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 such a different ball game when you're working with uh, 
with companies like that uh yeah it's it's really cool i saw um one of your your very famous pictures that's around everywhere is the one of you sort of on top of the walmart oh yeah that was my first um yeah when i saw that i was like first i thought it was hilarious i always love seeing <laughs> it just reminded me of like those classic 80s pictures that you see of like uh -huh. the model maker sort of like standing next to like the death star I was gonna those, say, like 1970s I like those pictures of that actually <clears throat> and the... yeah and I'm, i might star. have to make i might have to make something very similar very soon oh nice um not a walmart um but it's for a documentary uh but i i may hit you up on it if uh if it goes through and but it's going to be Heck very yeah. very similar to that um but yeah, I thought that was really, really. What was that for a commercial? I'm assuming. Yeah, it was for an Old Spice commercial for Walmart. So um, it was, it, again, it was the first thing I ever did. I made a miniature that is. I mean, it's in. It's like I said, it's a 30 second commercial. Actually, no, it must. It's got to be longer than that. Um, but yeah, there was a whole scene. It was like so. Old Spice, their new scents were Dragon Blast and Yeti Blast or something like that. And um, these two stunt dudes who were brothers, they dressed up as a Yeti and a dragon. And then they just fought each other in this, you know, cityscape. So, like, we had these buildings in the background. Uh, like I said, I had made one of the miniatures that gets destroyed. Like, they stamp on or stomp on it. Um, and I think I was, I was driving remote remote control cars like through the city i'm like how am i getting paid for this like this is the greatest <laughs> job ever uh i'm just like playing like are yeah. you kidding me um but yeah old spice for for walmart nice so, and did yeah. you, you get did you get to work on a little bit of everything or was it sort of like you bit, were given yeah. like oh you build the walmart and so and so is going to build this building well, it's funny because I didn't even I didn't even make the Walmart. Like I just I think maybe I did one little thing on it or something like that. But I I mean you'd think I did because I have a picture of me on it. But yeah. um, I I made um, just this little house um, that you can see in the end of the commercial that it's all you know completely busted apart and um, like there's like smoke coming out the backside of it. Um, nice. And yeah, so I I did a little bit here and there because because i got to work on set as well as you know do the fabrication for it so mm -hmm. uh, my, i would say the actual filming of it was certainly the most fun because you know i'm just sitting behind all the little buildings driving the remote yeah. control car like, that was yeah i saw one of the one of the awesome. pictures that's pretty fun. yeah <laughs> um and so what's your your what's your goal like what, a great where do you, question. where do you want to go with, with all this? Like, is your goal to, to do more commercial work, more private commission, more of your own stuff and then try and sell it? Like what's, I mean, all of the above. I honestly, I'm this Dior thing really kind of changed my perspective on my future in this, mm -hmm. in this industry. Cause I, I had never really considered that as even an option um but miniatures are used a lot in for instance like jewelry um jewelry displays or even just uh, advertising for jewelry there's you know because jewelry is small so um yeah. 
I did a whole know. jewelry store maybe eight years ago. Oh wow! That's it was amazing. yeah, it was about um, maybe twelve windows. Awesome. Um, yeah, and it was like uh, it was all sort of like kind of Victorian style um and i i had to sort of sometimes you have to sort of guide your client when uh, yeah <laughs> when it starts to get a little tacky um and what they wanted i i felt like i'm like it's super cool and like as a miniaturist i would love to create what you're asking me but i feel like it's going to be very busy and the jewelry isn't going to stand out yeah. Um, so in the end, what I suggested is I'll I'll do these Victorian rooms and everything you want, but I think it would be cool if everything was white. Um, almost as if you built like a dollhouse and then just sprayed the whole thing sprayed, white. Yeah. Um. So basically, that's what I did. Nice. Um. It wasn't full rooms or anything. It was just like the items were loose in the display window. Mm -hmm. Um. I had a couple of like. You know, I'd have like a half wall with like a fireplace type of thing. Mm. Um, one was like a dining room table and mm. on each plate was like a diamond ring. Cute. Um, so we just found always like little creative ways of adding the jewelry. Um, yeah. One window had like a chandelier. It was like a ballroom. Mm -hmm. um, and the chandelier was sort of this contraption that had all these little diamond earrings hanging oh, wow. from it. That's fun. Um, so each window was like its own little way of displaying the jewelry. Uh, they loved, they ended up loving the whole, like, you know, making everything white. Um, we ended up doing, I think, three of the windows. Um, we went back and made everything black, like a matte, mm. velvety mm -hmm. kind of black. Because right. mm -hmm. um, on some, some jewelry, like, wasn't really showing up that well on white. So we did a couple of black sets. Um, but yeah, since you mentioned jewelry, it made me, made me think yeah. about it. This is before I had Instagram and was mm, posting. Okay. I have zero, I have no pictures of it. Like, <laughs> oh. yeah, it sucks. <laughs> like in retrospect, I was like, how could I not take pictures? But yeah, but yeah. I, honestly, like I have to force myself to do it because I forget and I get so in the moment. I really, cause I love what I do. And so I'm just like doing it cause I love it and not thinking, oh yeah, maybe I should take pictures for content or something like I'm yeah. I'm terrible at posting um because of that like I mean I do have photos that I really should have posted by now but um but yeah it's like nobody's gonna take those photos but you you know you can't rely on anybody else to go in yeah some something that's f sort of forced me to do it um is sort of it's it's twofold so I first started um posting sort of more of my progress and, and anything I'm about to say, I'm not, I'm not shitting on anybody in their way of working. Um, but you know, I wanted to show that like, Hey, this isn't all 3d printed and it's not like, you know, it's, it's handmade, it's hand painted. Um, just cause I was posting more finished work and I was just getting a lot of comments that it was Same like, here. Oh, it must be all 3d printed or it must all be like mm -hmm. whatever. Oh, it's AI or whatever, you know? Um, so I think in this day and age, it's super important to show your process. process. Not not in a way of like, I'm I'm not a good teacher. Like I get asked all the time Same. to do tutorials and things like that. And it's like, guys, that's first of all, it's not my business model. This is not yeah. what I do. I'm, I'm not a good teacher. Uh, but 
you know, I just sort of show like the steps, like mm-hmm. it was like this and then I painted it. And, mm-hmm. and as soon as I started posting a couple of videos like that, um, a few of them blew up and I actually had brands reach out wanting like that video as the product, mm. meaning like they didn't even want the miniature at the end. Right. They just wanted they're like, no, we want you to show like how you made it and then the final result. And then we're going to share that. And that's going to be our ad, Um, which was like a whole new world for me, you know, and I've Mm -hmm. I've spoken about this before on the podcast, um, specifically with Ryan. He was asked uh, similar things uh, where it's sort of like, no, we just want you to make it and post it. And then that's it. Um, Yeah. Which is super bizarre uh, because we we. The whole point of what we do is we make something tangible that yeah. you can look at and display and, and whatever. Um, but that kind of forced me into filming my process a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, I it's I get wrapped up in it, you know, and every once mm-hmm. in a while, like I do a project and I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm not filming this one. Like, mm-hmm. I'll film a couple of stages, but like, I'm not filming it myself while I work on it. Yeah. Because um, it slows me down. It breaks my flow. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I've set up my shop. I have like three separate cameras mm-hmm. that I can, if I want, I can turn them all on at the same time. And they all kind of point That's to where hard. I work. And it gives me three different angles to play with. And then if I want to <laughs> post something, then I have three angles to choose from. And if I don't, I don't. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I, I would definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. To, to try and sort of force yeah. yourself to, to do it a little bit. And you don't have to film like the entire process, you know, like yeah. if you know, I try and film what I consider to be like the satisfying parts, uh-huh. which is like a quick shot of you like airbrushing something and then a quick shot of you like removing like whatever masking you did, like people right. like that stuff. Um, And yeah, because I, I look at what I like to, to watch, you know, when I watch Same. art stuff. Yeah. Um, that's how it's I like kind that. of judge what I think is good content. Like if, mm-hmm. if it's got me watching it for a minute and a half, then yeah, I figure if I do something similar, it would be just as satisfying. Yeah. And I'm that being said, like I know that I enjoy people's processes you know, or processes, like, you know, seeing how you make stuff and I'm like, Oh wow, that's how we did it. Okay, cool. Um, Cause yeah, a lot of people like, I think this work is easy, you know? Uh, Cause I don't know. I just do. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's not for people. Like, it doesn't come naturally. People don't see things the way I see them. Like, I look at textures and shapes differently than other people. Um, yeah. You know, because a lot of, I mean, at least when I first started, I was making stuff out of literal trash. And, um, you know, like my Bob's Burgers piece, like the meters on the side of the building are literally made from a broken printer that I didn't mm-hmm. need. It was just going to go in the trash. And, um, I use like some of the metal pieces inside the printer for the meters and the like roof de- detail or whatever. And it worked because the shapes were there and, and whatever. Now I'm yep. much more of a perfectionist and I do it exactly how it looks. But um, <laughs> for me, again, it just comes naturally. I was actually just showing a friend yesterday um, this spaceship I had made because I think spaceships are so freaking easy to make. They're yeah. You, know, you just take a bunch of greebles and you glue it all together and put some paint and some dry yeah. brushing on it and boom. Making you know, anything, 
making anything that doesn't exist is right. always easier than you know like hey create this walmart exactly as it exists like yeah. that's always going to be harder than create a random store that no one's ever seen you know like yeah it's it's completely that, different because i think this was uh i was listening to at least a little bit of uh yours in um uh, uh podcast and you yeah. guys were saying like it's it's so difficult to do stuff that's not real like that you know it's like you have to pick a paint color versus like Oh, this is this already exists. Like I could just. She was look. saying that. Yeah, she was saying she had a yeah. hard time. Um, I'm, I'm very similar. She's, she's so used to recreating buildings that exist. Yeah. Um, for me, it's the opposite, which is ironic because everything I do exists in some form. Whether it's, yeah, I'm creating a building that exists or a set that existed at some point. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's more difficult because. Mm -hmm you're trying to match something and sure. in my specific case i'm dealing with super fans that know this inside know. out yeah, so exactly. if you get something wrong they'll call you out on it whereas if whereas you're just like hey this is an abandoned flea market that i invented from my head people are just going to be like dope that's it <laughs> like they're not going to be like that mm -hmm. doesn't look like the flea market you know what i mean yeah. So for me, if ever I get to build something that's from my head, Dang it. I I find that like, and again, I find it easy because of what I do every day, right? Yeah. It's just easy in, in relation to. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, the longer you do this job, the the easier it gets because you, you've just done so much problem solving through yeah. the years that the thing with experience is not that I know more than somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's just the the gap of time between I have a problem and I have the solution gets shorter. Yes. That's what experience is. It, mm -hmm. It's you know, I think anyone that makes models can build the same quality models I do. It just might take them longer. Yeah. And it'll take them more time to figure things out because they haven't had those problems before. Mm -hmm. And with every build, I have a challenge that I solve and that mm -hmm. solve stays with me forever so after exactly. 10 years like it's it's pretty rare i come across something where i'm like totally stuck and i'm just like I yeah don't know. Mm -hmm. that's one nice thing about um like working in a shop like i do love the freedom i have when i do commissions or i do remote work uh working out of my shop here at home but uh working in a shop is great because i've got all of this knowledge of all this talent, you know, all the talented people that are also working in the shop, I get to know what their techniques are and how they've come to solve these problems. And um, so I'm learning different ways of, uh, you know, solving problems in the future. And um, I love that part, you know, um, there's such a brain trust sure. with these people that, you know, it's invaluable, I feel like. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, like it's, it's both good and bad. Um, cause a lot of times when people reach out to me and they're like, Oh, do you have tutorials? Do you have this? Do you have that? You know, like I'd usually just point them to YouTube. I'm like, There's yeah, a thousand people that will teach you better than me. Um, I learned everything before YouTube was like a source of education. It was mm -hmm. just a source of entertainment. Um, I learned a lot of it just on my own from mm -hmm. watching these old documentaries on how certain movies were made and, and whatever. Yeah. And. Um, you know, when you learn that way, 
it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I always say, like when you learn from someone, you learn their way of doing it. And sometimes, yeah. and again, it depends on your personality and how you learn. But some people like they'll learn, for example, Rachel's way of doing trees and right. they will never explore other ways of doing trees. Mm-hmm. They'll mm-hmm. just learn that way and they'll only do it that way. And then one day they might get to the point where like, oh, now I have to make a palm tree. But yeah. Rachel never showed me how to make a palm tree. You yeah. know what I mean? So then like now they have to figure it out and their palm mm-hmm. tree is not going to be as good as their other tree because they've never had to figure it out. Right. So, you know, I'm I'm. I like to learn, I guess, the hard way, which is mm-hmm. sort of like figuring it out on my own because mm-hmm. I feel like it just opens up my brain to like more possibilities. And when I'm not using a technique that I learned from someone and I learned it from like from just myself, mm-hmm. I feel like that idea can stem into like other avenues. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like I do my trees this way, but like, oh, this could also work for right this type of bush or this type of whatever Mm -hmm. whereas if you know i learned how to do this tree this way then i feel like that's i only know how to make that tree right if i'm making any sense Mm -hmm. um but everybody learns differently you know some people are very like people reach out to me and they want like instructions you Mm -hmm. know like they want like please give me the 10 steps it took to make this and i'm just like yeah that's not how it works you know yeah um I wouldn't even remember the steps that I did. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, my first client was Joel Kuwahara, who is the executive producer of Bob's Burgers. Um, mm-hmm. He's also the co-founder of Bento Box. Um, and <laughs> as you might know, my Bob's Burgers piece was the first piece I ever did. So it was kind of like this really cool moment, mm-hmm. uh, kind of full circle. Uh, but it's great. Like now I'm like, you know, Auntie Rachel to his kid. <laughs> um, That's so but, cool. But yeah, so he had Emmys, um, and then sorry, just so I... I understand, did you did you do the Bob's Burgers, and then he contacted you, or he contacted you and you made it for him? I didn't understand. That I part. oh, so yeah, my f- first everything in my portfolio was this Bob's Burgers piece that I just coincidentally did. He started following me from the very beginning, um, and then it wasn't until the pandemic that I happened to tag um, where I lived in one of my posts. And he's like, do you live in, you know, this city? And I said, yeah. Why? Are you my neighbor? And uh, it turns out we would like live five blocks away from each other. He's like, you know, I've been wanting to commission something from you for a while. I didn't know you were this close. I could just come pick it up at your house. Um, Uh And so that's how that happened. And then, yeah, now... uh, he god he i mean he really helped me get my career going i feel like i really do thank him for that um i don't think he realizes it but but i do i will forever be grateful to him um because not only is he commissioned two pieces now but he was um on a zoom call with one of his this woman that uh she is the co-creator of this show called housebroken um which is on bento box and he was like bragging about the piece that i had just made for him and she's like oh my god i've been wanting you know to commission uh, a miniature from somebody but i didn't know who to ask like i gotta get her info so that was the big piece that um that i was just talking about that's on my page it's not like that first uh 
first video that's on there. Um, Very cool. It's 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 always fun to get sort of praise from like the creators of the shows and things like that. Um, I've I've had two, I mean I've had a few opportunities like that, but my first one was when I first first started. Um, similar to you, I was sort of in bed rest from an operation, um, and it ended up lasting longer than I thought. Um, so I was like, you know what? I need a hobby. And I used to make miniatures when I was 12 and I did the first three back to the future miniatures and and those where I got posted them, I think Facebook or something. And I ended up getting an email from Bob Gale who wrote and produced all three movies. Um, and in the email he's like, Hey, I showed them to Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg and like, we're big fans and whatever. And like, here I am when I saw the subject of the email, I was like, well, I'm getting sued. That was fun. Yeah. Not, like it was fun <laughs> while like, it lasted. You're going to say. Um, and I... like, that was like, like the first miniature I made, like as an adult. So like wow. to get that praise, like immediately was, it was real... such a confidence boost. Um, and it was just like, I mean, till this day, I'm shocked that that even happened. Um, and through the years, I've spoken to Christopher Lloyd. I've spoken to uh, so cool. Claudia Wells, who was Jennifer on the show. I've spoken Wait. to, you know, uh, Tom Wilson, who was Biff. Like, I've, wow. I've, you know, they've commissioned stuff for me. Um, I've done a bunch of stuff for celebrities and stuff through the years. Um, and most recently, I did, um, I was commissioned from Amazon Prime. Um, to do a piece to promo uh, the second season of Good Omen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was also uh, gifted oh. to the creator of the show. Um, and uh, I didn't communicate with him directly. I was communicating with a sort of marketing team, but he ended up sending me an email uh, just like telling me he was blown away and you wow. know, that I nailed it and whatever. And I was lucky, like I got really good reference material because um, mm-hmm. obviously I'm not in LA, so I couldn't, you know, visit the set or anything. But um, they had somebody go around and take a bunch of stills wow. of, the, of the set, and because it's a street, but it's all like on a soundstage, right? Um, yeah. So I still had to recreate all the signage and and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it was one of my coolest projects of the year, other than the Netflix thing, mm-hmm. uh, but also my most stressful. Um, cause it was basically like we need it in two weeks or we have to drop the project. And then, uh, cause basically like once the, sh- the season starts, like it's kind of pointless to, right. you know, um, and I, I try and, um, work a normal schedule. Mm-hmm. I try and work a sort of nine to five ish and not the weekends, um, just Dang, for the I family and, and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I had this one, it was, you know, nights, weekends, 12 hour days. Uh, and I did the whole street, the whole thing ready to ship in 11 days, which was not going to lie. Didn't think I was going to be able to do it. Um, in my head, I was like, you know what? Like, even if I'm at 90% after two weeks, like, what are they going to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to tell me, forget it. Yeah. Uh, that was like my backup, honestly. Like, honest to God, my backup was like, what are they going to do? Like, if I'm 90% done, they'll just be like, okay, we'll yeah. give you an extra week type of thing. 
Yeah. But um, yeah, I was very hard on myself and very stressed out. And I was just mm-hmm. like, no, I got to, I got to do it. Um, uh-huh. So it was, it was fun. Nice. It was fun to have like a little bit of a kick in the ass, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't usually take like my sweet time. Like, I, uh-huh. you know, I try and get as much done as possible. <laughs> but um, that one was uh, definitely stressful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I was feeling that pressure with the Dior prototype too, because I just had, I had five days uh, to make a building and this hot dog cart. And uh, I mean, it was all 3D printed. So it was really just, you know, assembling, painting, and weathering. But like, you know, this is Dior. Like, I got to get this job. I have to get it. Yeah. Plus, I had just quit my other job uh, during a freaking strike, um, which yeah. we're still kind of <laughs> getting out of. Um, and I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, I just quit, you know, a job that I had that I was so thankful to have during a strike and for something that I wasn't even sure I was going to get. Um, but I knew it was So now are you like, you're, you're self-employed, like you do this full time? Yeah. I mean, that's all I do. Um, and some months are, you know, terrible, but, and especially like, so we came out of the pandemic and then we were in a strike for, I don't even know what, a year. I don't know what it's been yeah. <laughs> a long time. Uh, yeah. so it's, it's been rough and, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm in this really like healing phase of my journey right now. So I am, uh, I'm learning about, um, manifestation and affirmations and all this. And so I, I am, I'm having really good thoughts about my career now. And honestly, mm-hmm. like Dior was so validating. Like it, it really changed my life. Um, yeah. Because the validation that I got from it has really boosted my confidence. It's, um, it just, it's, it's made me see things differently. Um, and again, like, I think I had already said this in the beginning, but, you know, I was sitting on the other side of the table for Dior and I had never been on that side other than like doing commissions and stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I was realizing, dang, we're all just making this up. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Like, yeah, even on Dior level, like <laughs> I, um, I've been doing this 10 years and like, I'll give out I, prices and stuff and then just be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm just better at guessing what something mm-hmm. is going to cost because it's so hard to, to you know, like these people want prices like same day, and it's like how right. do I sit there and calculate like how much styrene yeah. I'm going to use? Like I don't know. Exactly. Um, but I've I've gotten good at guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's been at least five years since I did a project, and I was like, shit, I totally, right. like totally underpriced this. You know? Yeah. Um. Not my, not like my time and value. Like I'm talking about like cost, cost, like material. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty rare. Um, I think you just get better at guessing. Yeah. Estimating in your head. Um, mm-hmm. But I totally understand what you're saying about the Dior and the validation. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, especially as artists, like we're always, you know, very hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we you know i think the biggest limitation to most artists isn't how talented they are or you know the skill i think a lot of it is that mentality of oh well it's just my hobby and 
right you know, like yeah. no one's gonna pay me for this and like you know the it, it's almost like, like the more would... they enjoy it <laughs> yeah know? exactly yeah. like it's it's almost like the more they enjoy it yeah the less value they feel it, it should have and then... um and it, even for me like uh, you know like every time i i get a big client it's like a revalidation uh-huh. it almost like you know you get validated and then it starts going down and then you get mm-hmm. another big client and you're like yeah you know so like you know i got amazon and i was like holy cow like amazon reached right. out to me and it's like what and then yeah you kind of get over it and then you get a call from netflix and you're like is this real like what's you know <laughs> and then yeah. netflix tells you it's for one of your favorite shows stranger things and you're like this is my life right now <laughs> and and I have another one where I just signed an NDA a few weeks ago that I can't talk about, but uh, it was another Congrats. one where I was just like, this, this is not, this is a joke. Like someone's pranking me. Yeah. Um, and Honestly, when we get off, I'll tell you who it is. But thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, we, we, I, I, I despise the word luck. Um, eh. I I don't believe in luck. I think you you make your own luck luck by putting your name out there and putting in the work yeah. and and all that. To me, it's it's almost an insult when people tell me you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand what they mean. Like you're lucky in the sense of like you're fortunate. You know, right. you're fortunate mm-hmm. that you have these opportunities. Um, but I but I it can credits all the work that you put into it. To it get does, to and it. and and that's the thing. Like it, it's. It's people don't realize how hard it is to to make it. I don't think I'm more talented than a lot of other people that do what we do. Yeah. Um. I I think I'm always learning. Um. Uh, I don't think that because I have you know two hundred thousand followers that I'm better than an artist that has five thousand followers or whatever. Like I feel like you yeah. have way too little for your skill level. Um, Thank you. I think I've... you deserve way, way more. Um, that's all but... for this year. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the thing is, and that's the thing. Like that's that's great that you mentioned that. Like goals are so important. Amen. And you know my my goal for this year, um, I think for 2023 was to hit 100k. Mm-hmm. Mine was um, to hit 10. Yeah, <laughs> I just and... now I'm at like 72. Hundred. Yeah, like, and and like I think New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve is I was at like one ninety eight, and and I was like, uh, and for a second I was like, oh man, I was so close to my goal, and then my girlfriend reminded me, she's like, your goal was a hundred k, not two hundred k, and I was like, all oh, right, and I was like, holy cow, you know, yeah, um, and it, it's it, and like I always tell people like don't be discouraged and like don't. Like it, it's you're literally like one or two viral posts mm-hmm. away well, from like that's how you, it is. Was there a certain post that you had that like because you just gained so many? I've had a few, like a couple months, right? Yeah, I've had oh, a okay. few. Um, I was like in the like from let's say from 2013 when I created my account, and then to about two years ago. Um, so it took me let's say what eight years to get mm-hmm. to about 20 25k from 25k to where i am now i've had a, f- a couple of posts that go that went viral mm-hmm. um like in the millions wow. um and one was just like my hand holding like a little tv that had like a nintendo oh, no. playing and the screen was working 
Mm-hmm. Um, my most recent one was like one of my retro rooms yeah, that man. like had this like sort of 80s, 90s vibe going on. The and retro... that one's still going. It's at like, yeah. it's almost at 4 million. Like it's still Jeez. going. Wow. Um, I think the nostalgia of it, you know, people are like, you know, yeah. they realize it's a miniature, yeah. but then it's also like something that they can identify or relate to because it's their nostalgia yeah. from their childhood. And th- this and... whole retro room thing is, yeah. is it's my only uh, sort of product that I offer that's yeah. not um, directly linked to a movie or a TV show. Yeah. It's not it's not uh, referenced by anything. It's just, you know, it's made up by own. me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I have like, yeah. like the clients can go on my website and basically say like, this is what I want on the TV. These are the posters I want on the walls. I want these toys, whatever. And then I just nice. put the room together and I include the stuff that they mentioned. Um, but that all started with a commission uh, mm. by the Duffer Brothers. Oh, um, sweet. Who created, yeah, they created Stranger, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yeah. And they were like, hey, we're launching um, a production company called Upside Down Pictures. And then? And we want like a, a miniature to sort of commemorate like our love for like the 80s and, and whatever. So I made I these love little- that. Yeah, so I made these little rooms, like one for each of them, um, and that went viral. Mm-hmm. And then I had all these people asking me, like, "Hey, can you make me a room like that?" But instead of the Jaws poster, I want, you know, pretty in pink or whatever, you know. Yeah. And then I was like, "Hmm, like, can I capitalize <laughs> on this?" So, yeah. um, so I turned it into like a thing, and it's it's completely blown up. I don't know how many orders wow. on my to-do list are retro rooms, but there's a lot. Um, do you find and... that, cause I feel like, uh, I certainly have not gotten there, but I do feel like when there's more of something to make, it's almost easier because you can like factory line it, you know, like with, okay, I just need to make six of this, which is obviously faster than if you make one and then one in a month. Yeah. Or whatever. Well, my retro rooms are all different. Um, yeah. but what I did is, uh, they come in three sizes. Mm-hmm. So I already have like the laser, laser cut files for those three oh, okay. sizes of, of rooms. Uh, the one that happened to go viral, the client had actually reached out and said, Hey, can I customize it even further? Oh, wow. He's like, I would like, I would like it to be like two rooms in one, <laughs> um, sort of like a living room. And then there's like a wall with a door and then another yeah. room. Um, he's like, is that possible? I'm like, I go, yeah, I'm like, I'll have to charge you more, but like, yeah, it's possible. Um, and that's the one that ended up going viral. And the thing is like viral, like you never know, like you never know what's going to go viral. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happy that that one went viral because it was a finished piece. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times for some reason, the stuff I have that goes viral is like my, my like work in progress stuff. Yeah tends to go viral like hey i'm not finished with this but you know take a look um like the first thing i posted for the office uh wasn't finished had no shrubbery it was just the building itself uh and it got like almost two million views um and a lot of people commenting like hey you're missing this you're missing that and i'm like guys work in progress like Like, it doesn't have ivy and it doesn't have the i'm like chillax bro she's not there he's not yeah. But we had also like, you know, we've I've been to the set many times. Um, my ex actually worked in the office. I forget what he filmed there, but um, he worked inside that building to do something else. I think it's for the show Better Things. But um, but yeah, we've been to that building many times because 
we are big fans of the office and uh yeah so yeah i i know you you've never been there right no yeah so cool um yeah i've never been to any of the sets i've made most of them don't exist anymore yeah um but you know what's what's cool about something like the office is like because the location actually exists I can also reference like Google Maps and right. satellite view and that type of thing, which is which is fun. Uh, but I've just gotten really good at like <laughs> scale interpre- interpretation, I mm-hmm. think is the word, um, where, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, how do I figure out buildings and stuff like when you can't visit them or, or right. whatever. And so what I do is I'll find the closest I can to like a straight on photo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Photoshop, I'll warp it so that it, it's exactly square. Uh, and then I'll pick something that I know the size of. Like, so, the, uh, you know, like a door. Like yeah. I know the door, a commercial door is, let's say, seven feet by 36 inches or whatever it is. Right. And then based off that, well, okay, if that's this size, then I know the window's this size, which means mm-hmm. the light is this size. And that's you just how extrapolate. Yeah, yeah, extrapolate from there. Um and that's how I do it. A lot of times I'm only dealing with, um, you know, screen grabs when it's like mm-hmm. a set Same. that was built for a show or or whatever. Um, <laughs> what's cool, uh, I do a lot of Back to the Future stuff. And what's cool with Back to the Future is I know the movie so well mm-hmm. that sometimes I'm building, you know, X building. And then I realize like, oh, wait a minute, in part two, when they go back again you see this building but from the other side <laughs> yeah right because sometimes like in a, in a tv show or a movie you only have one side so you're like right. what does the other side look like and what's cool with back to the future is like because they keep going back and forth in every movie Love sometimes that. you have a different angle yeah. of the same movie of the mm-hmm. same building you know it's it's nuts but um, i mean that's like i did the same thing with um bob's burgers because like i i've rewatched i mean i rewatched them anyway but uh i rewatched every episode because it was like i need a roof shot like and what does the roof look like yeah and, or whatever you know and i i have a lot of uh, bob's burgers plans just because you know it's on my list my yeah. long <laughs> list um but uh i had this idea for doing i bought this picture frame that it's kind of like a shadow box but there's 16 yep. squares and they're like an inch deep and so I thought, oh, if I do like storefronts for 16 different buildings from the show, um, you know, that might be cool. I even bought micro machines that I was going to put for oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Squares out front. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some of these buildings, you know, there's, you know, if you look up on Google or whatever, there's only the one image. And so having to rewatch, you know, 14 seasons of a show just to like hopefully get like maybe the side of the building or the top of the building or the inside or whatever it's it's a lot of work um and i don't think people i'm at the point where again just because i can afford to do it Mm -hmm. i usually refuse work if if it's something i haven't seen or um, especially like a tv show like a movie's easier you know if someone tells me like oh i want this from this movie and I've never seen it or I only saw it once in 95. Like <laughs> you can rewatch a movie and do your research. But yeah, TV shows are challenging because things change throughout different seasons. And right. 
you know, like with the office thing, like if you go through the comments, like everyone's like, oh, are you going to do this? Are you going to add that? Mm -hmm. Are you going to? And I'm like, guys, I'm not doing a specific episode like I'm doing the building from the office. I can't do everything that ever happened in this parking lot. Like, yeah, (laughs) it doesn't just doesn't make sense, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, like I when it's a TV show, if it's if I've never seen it, um, I usually won't won't take on the job. Um, but you said something before, uh, which I'm curious about. Um, so you said when you saw the office build that I did, uh, you were like, kind of, I mean, you sounded disappointed when you said it, cause you were like, oh, it's on my list. Is that something like when you see someone that did something that's sort of on your list of things you want to do, does that deter you from doing it or does it make you want to do it even more? No, it deters me because I'm constantly wanting to be different and stand out. And mm-hmm. I don't want to just do something that everybody else has done. And, you know, especially like you or or Kieran, like I really respect your guys' work. And I really, I think that your level of detail is amazing. And like, so how I would do it, Kieran does his stuff a little differently, or at least his presentation of it. So I know that if I was to do it, it might look a little different based on that alone but like mm-hmm. the the skill level is similar to how i feel like mine is or like maybe the level of detail is similar to what i would do like for your piece for the office right there like that's how mine would look you know like yeah <laughs> um yeah you know the level of detail uh the amount that's on there like uh you know, I am a little crazy, so I might actually do shit in the windows because I don't have boundaries with myself. Um, but and I don't. You can't see through the know windows. Realistically, is oh, I know, but they're mirrored. I, yeah. Like I would, based on that, yeah, sure, maybe I would do it mirrored. But like any other, you know, possible detail, even if you barely see it, like. I'm putting yeah. it in there and like I, was, I don't know why. The original plan was to do the original plan was to do the entire building. Mm-hmm. Um and you see the warehouse from the side and all that. Um but I reached yeah. out to the client and I said, Look, I don't know how you're gonna display this. Yeah. But I think we should kind of chop the building mm-hmm. and make it more about the front. Um because I like I went on again, it's a real building that exists. So when I went on satellite view, mm-hmm. I'm like, this thing's just the building itself without the base. It's going to be almost 24 inches long. Yeah, Like it's, where are you going to put this? It's going to be your yeah. coffee table. So That's he's like, like my... yeah, I trust you. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I trust you. Like do whatever. Again, like this is not a set for TV. Like it's just to be displayed. Right. So mm-hmm. why put all that money and effort and size into the back mm-hmm. that you're never gonna not see really going to see? Yeah. Um, so sometimes, you know, you have to make like in the sense of for collectors i often have to make that decision of mm-hmm. where do you cut something where right. where's your your view your frame mm-hmm. of view you know like uh i have some like most of my clients i would say don't know anything about scale mm-hmm. um Same. so i always ask them like where where do you want to display this mm-hmm. like is yeah. it going to be on a shelf does the shelf exist how deep mm-hmm. is your shelf is it going on a wall? Does um, it need to have yeah. some sort some of frame? Of them, yeah. Some of them don't care. They're like, yeah. make it whatever size you think is best. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's it. You know, and you also have to think ahead of like, how am I going to ship this? Does it need to be assembled? Does it need to come apart? Right. Does, yeah. You know, like these are all different challenges. 
that you don't have when you're doing something for TV or film because, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't really matter at that point. You're yeah, not sending it anywhere. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it, it's tough. And it, it's, I'm, I'm sort of in between on that subject <laughs> in terms of, you know, someone making something that I've already made. Um, it, it's, it kind of comes down to, I'm both curious like mm-hmm. if you were like, "Hey, I'm also I also got commissioned to make The Office." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the type of, type of person like, like I'll help you. Like I'll send you my files if they can help you, if they can speed it up for you, whatever. Yeah. But I'm also curious to see how you would do it. Yeah. And the only time I think it it you know what I create things that exist. They're mm-hmm. from TV shows, whatever. I don't have the intellectual property on these things. Right. But there you know there's a certain way that you make things mm-hmm. that like there's a fine line between like copying and i made the same thing as you right you know mm-hmm. um an example like, is like i made i made satrials from the sopranos right and so did my Lynn. and so did so did my lynn but my lynn yeah. made it first of all this so big yeah <laughs> and she made the whole building and the building next door and and yeah. whatever and uh, i think i sent her some of my files for the sign and stuff mm-hmm. um i don't remember if she used them or not but you know like that didn't bother me yeah but i've seen people make the same sets as me mm-hmm. and they decide to sort of crop it and frame it mm-hmm. the exact same way i did mm-hmm. so it's like clearly my work was an inspiration yeah and like thanks that's what happened but with at- that burgers piece all of a sudden i saw like six miniatures of bob's burgers and they were a lot of them were just like mine i was like <laughs> yeah and it's I mean, it's, it's hard okay. to it's very hard to say like you copied me because it's like right. we both did something from the same show exactly but you can usually tell and if, you know like well this person clearly saw mine yeah you know which and... I, don't mind. I mean like that you know it, it's almost like a sense of pride i'm like all right cool yeah. it's i'm, I'm like i'm iffy on picture. it it used to it yeah. used to bother me a lot more um but but now it's sort of like you know what do you want me to do like yeah it's it's and, again if it was like an original piece and someone yeah. copied it i would be way more upset but mm-hmm. um it's a it's a small industry and mm-hmm. you don't you know i don't i don't like stepping on people toe people's toes and i don't like having my toes stepped on either same yeah but it 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 sort of comes with the territory when you do movie and TV stuff, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, funny because I hadn't really thought about this, but that could be why, like, my list uh, has uh, stuff on it that maybe isn't on anybody's list because um, they're, like, more obscure cartoons, for instance. Like, you know, like, I started with Bob's, and so naturally I was like, oh, what other cartoons can I make? And... um you know, of course, Family Guy is on that list, but I'm like, which I don't actually know if anybody's made that. I feel like they probably have, but um, I know the House from the Simpsons has been made a million times. Yeah, yeah. actually, the um, the showrunners for Simpsons on one of my pieces because uh, they did um, they co-created Duncanville, and mm-hmm. I had made Amy Poehler because uh, I got to work with Amy and Nick Offerman um, on the show Making It. And I thought, well, you know, I'm very new to this industry. Like, I got to get my name out there. Like, I got to make Amy something. Well, I got to make both of them something. And um, it just seemed natural to make 
the house from Duncanville because that was like her show that she co-created um, with Mike and Julie Scully. And so she liked her so much that she commissioned a second piece uh, for them, which is kind of cool. Um, nice. But yeah, Duncanville was a new show. Like there was like no fan art yet. Uh, I don't even know if there is really much still. Um, same with like Great North, uh, shows like Border Town. Like there's all these like, you know, shows that, um, you know, sure, they've maybe got a couple seasons, but like they're still not like super popular um like the show house house broken um you know so like those are on my list and i have a feeling that that's maybe part partly why those stayed on my list because i know nobody's done them yet um mm-hmm. even though at this point in my career i feel like i've i've uh moved past the simplistic ones like the cartoons like now i really enjoy doing more realistic um builds of things um so it's hard to do cartoons um although i will say i just looked over at this funny enough about cartoon situation uh i'm pretty sure that bob's burgers got me the dior job um so i showed up to my interview at the beverly hills hotel and um she's like oh you know you know, please bring any like, you know, samples you have of stuff you've built. I'm like, I don't have anything. Like everything lives with clients, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but I had I had made uh this piece during the pandemic, um, which I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Panda Miniatures coordinated this uh 420 collaboration. So I did um this Med Men piece. Whoops. So cool. Uh, um, you know, I just, you know, I threw it together in a couple of weeks. Like it was, it was a fun build, but I brought that as an example. And then I brought this, which is my little Bob's Burgers cart from the movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's got all this stupid, I never posted it, but cause I, it's not really finished. Um, I mean, it's finished enough, but, but yeah, I, I didn't have much to is bring. Is it ever so I finished? I know. Uh, I brought that. Uh, when she, she asked, you know, what did you bring for us to see? God, like I'm showing you this like little cartoon hot dog cart or um, burger cart, you know, this is ridiculous, but like, this is all I have. And she's her jaw dropped. She's like, oh my God. She's like, that is so wild. She's like, we were going to have you prototype a hot dog cart, which again, what are the odds? What the hell are the odds? Like I had already produced one. And, um, so that's, it that's was... one of my biggest problems is I don't have anything to show yeah. ever. I so little, um, I, yeah, I only had the like, men piece cause I did it for myself, you know, or like, yeah, like I, I, even when I do stuff for myself, <laughs> I like, I have to do stuff for myself and not post it. Cause the minute mm. I post it, it ends up getting sold. And at the end of the uh-huh, day, like yeah. this is a business. So it's like. It's hard for me to be like someone's like, hey, like I'll give you X amount for it, and I'm just like, all okay. right, you know. Yeah. And in my head, I'm always like, oh, if I want one for myself, I'll, I'll just, just make another it. one. Yeah. I never will. No. Um, <laughs> and I, I need to like make stuff just to to have for myself. Uh, mm-hmm. The only two miniatures I have in my house are uh, I made the the storefront um, of this macaroon store in Paris. 
mm-hmm. uh, which is my girlfriend's favorite okay. like macaroon place. Um, that's in our living room. Um, and I have this here, and and I, which is part of um, I'm doing all of Hill Valley from Back to the okay. Future. Yeah, I was gonna say I um, remember. Did you post that one? Yeah, I posted it. Okay. I posted every once in a while. I'll, re- I'll repost okay. it because it it hangs out in here until okay. all the other buildings are done. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Like everything else is like it's done. I keep it for a couple of days to like shoot it, take pictures, yeah. add it to my website, and then it's like pack it up and yeah. and ship it. And like usually, like just packing day is like one and, day, like just oh, to that, yeah. make sure it's packed properly okay. and create the shipping labels and all that stuff mm-hmm. so oh i was just gonna say and i'm not really good at like you know just like there's so many miniatures that they're like oh look at this one thing that i made and then that's a post and then that's a whole thing and i'm like i don't i do things like you know i made this little director's chair you know or i made this stupid little snowman Ooh. but like i don't have things like this other than these two things um, I, I typically make buildings. And so like even this, yeah. this tree that I was showing you, this is part of, God, this took forever. Um, I'm making, so at my, my complex, uh, we have a building. It's, um, it's, it's a world renowned architectural I don't know. It's this beautiful building. Um, it's on sale now for only seven million. Um, it was listed <laughs> for twelve million, but it's this beautiful, um, like three-story loft situation that it's almost like an art gallery because that's pretty much all that's in it. Uh, the pool, which is on the second floor, is made from like an oil tanker. Like so there's cool. all different types of materials: copper, corrugated material, like. It's a really cool building, and um, it just sits at the back of my property. And uh, so every time I pass it, my God, I have to make that. And so there's this big tree out front. So I started with the tree, um, and that's all I have so far. But, like, that's going to go on a bigger piece, ultimately. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I don't have these, like, one little things that I can show people, you know, like, oh, look at these shoes that I made. Like, well, these shoes are for something else. So, like, I never just post the one thing. Yeah, but I think I think you should. I think I you should post. Like, <laughs> there doesn't always need to be context. You know, if you're making a building, yeah. but you've only made the window so far, like, just mm-hmm. post the window in your hand. Like, trust me, I'm your, your account will do much better yeah. if you start posting, like, the little things. And... Mm-hmm don't always feel like oh this is out of context or like because you're thinking like oh this isn't a big deal because i'm making the entire building like what's a window but that's the stuff that people care about and like i told you most of my posts that went viral were Uh unfinished pieces or just like Uh you know like i did an entire retro room but when i just made the tv and had that in my hand like that's what went viral so you you never know and it's like post as much as possible um like the director's chair or whatever like those are like almost like the easiest things to post yeah Um, sometimes when when you post something that's finished and it's big and there's a lot to show it's harder 
to make a post about it because you have to like film it properly and like sure. maybe edit it properly because there's so much more to show. Yeah. It's so much easier to just post like, hey, I made a window or hey, I made a tree uh-huh. or hey, I made shoes than to post like an entire project. Yeah. Um, Plus then like it's an entire project. Cool. Well, it's an, an entire project or entire build. Like, cool. I want to see the details. I want to get in there. Like, yeah. Now, let me see what those little things are made of or whatever. So you're totally right. Um, yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. That would be, that would be like when viewing your account, like that would be mm-hmm. my advice to you is just like post okay. more and don't be so much more uh, like picky. Yeah. Don't yeah. be so picky about what you post. Yeah. Um, you know, posting more often is better than always having to post quality stuff. Yeah. Um, not every post is going to blow up and you can't, you know, you can't post something and be like, oh, it didn't do well. It didn't get a lot mm-hmm. of likes. It didn't get a lot of views and let that deter you. You know, like right. the worst thing people can do is like, oh, this didn't do well. So like, forget it. I'm not going to post as much. It, yeah. Your your thought process should be the opposite. Like, oh, this didn't do well. I'm going to post again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's say you, for example, you post your director's chair tomorrow and it doesn't do that well well like a month from now if you still have the director's chair in your possession shoot it again in a different way and and then post it again and see what happens you know just because you posted something once doesn't mean you can't post it again different people are going to see it you've gotten new followers since the last time you posted it um you know (laughs) people don't scroll as much as you think on instagram um I think like the the most I've heard is people will scroll like three swipes in your feed. Mm-hmm. And uh, anytime I don't know what to post, I, I scroll about like six, seven times. And I'm like, what <laughs> did well four months ago? And I post it again. Right. Um, or something that went viral like a year ago. Mm-hmm. I'll post it again and see if it goes viral again. Like it's a game. Like it doesn't cost anything to, to post, True. you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just like a fun little game you have with yourself and you experiment mm-hmm. and you see what works for you um for me i've learned that i have to always show scale mm-hmm. um i think the biggest the mistake biggest miniature artists make is they'll post something a picture or a video of something and nothing in that image gives you an idea of how big it is right um like if your hand is in the post or a pencil or a knife mm-hmm. or a brush and gives people an idea of how small it actually is. Right. Huge difference in, in the, the response you're going to get. That's even like my Dior photos that I finally posted. You can't tell what size those are, especially yeah. based on that main image. Like it, you literally have no idea. And yeah. um, it wasn't until I posted or even just shared with, with like a friend of like me standing in front of it or me holding it or whatever that they're like, oh shit, I didn't realize like how big it was. Because yeah, it's yeah. a miniature, but it's a six it's still foot big, miniature. yeah. It's massive. Um, yeah, and the shoe alone, well, the shoe wasn't a miniature, that was a bigature, but that was a three foot yeah. shoe. You can't tell how big it is unless I'm like holding it. Um, yeah. So yeah. Which is kind is- of a cool illusion, right? Because if you assume yeah. the shoe is real size, it means your miniature is even smaller than it actually yeah. is. Yeah, so it's kind of like a brain brain teaser there. Yeah. If you would leave our listeners with any 
advice or you know something that's unique to you is like you know you do work in film and television Mm -hmm. so if someone you know aspires to do that what what advice would you leave them with I don't know um I actually just had a friend that requested I I jump on a zoom with her I haven't I haven't seen her since high school she's like you know what you're always like you always put everything uh, that you have into whatever career path you're at at the time. Like I was a headshot photographer for a while. Uh, I was an actor. I was now I'm a miniaturist. Like, and I always do it like all the way. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I just put myself out there. And like that was my only piece of advice to her was like just put your shit out there. Like you don't know who's gonna see it. Um, you don't know who you're you're inspiring. Um, I think I was already saying this, but like when I first started this miniature industry or this miniature career, I had posted the Bob's Burgers piece that was literally made from trash. That was all I had in my portfolio and my sad little Instagram, like, you know, a handful of followers. And I just, I, I was like, how do I make this a career? This is really fun. And so I, I started looking around at fabrication studios in LA and I just sent them a link to my Instagram and I said, Hey, you know, I have a small portfolio right now, but you know, this is what I do. If you ever need a miniaturist, you know, please let me know. And I got hired within a couple weeks. Um, so, you know, part of me is like, is that luck or is it just me putting myself out there? And yeah, Um, I I don't think it's luck because, you know, luck would be if they would randomly call you. Right. That's luck. Mm-hmm. Um, you cold calling companies and yeah. doing the work and showing your portfolio and whatever. That's not luck. That's, that's, yeah. you know, you created a situation for yourself and it worked out. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you for joining me today. Yeah. It was super fun talking to you. I feel like we can do a whole other hour podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I'd love to have you back and uh, we will definitely talk about possibly working on some stuff together because I need to get some stuff off my plate. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, we will be in touch. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, and, Dave. Um, I will put your information below. You guys can check her out on Instagram. Her <laughs> handle is rlilcreations. And uh, she just does amazing work. And hopefully we'll be posting more cool stuff on Instagram. And uh, go give her some love, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. Scale Talk Podcast with David Miniatures.